Good evening, everybody. How are you? Hey, it's good to see everyone out there. Uh, so tonight, why don't you open up your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians? Do you have your Bibles with you? Or your Bible phones? I'm so unprepared. I'm sorry. Everything's falling apart. <laughs> hey, it's uh, great to see you guys out there. Um, welcome to Bible, to Refuge, and this is our our Wednesday uh, midweek study. Um, so this week you uh, you get me, but you still get God's word. That's the most important thing. Uh, no letdowns, right? Wherever, wherever there's God's word, it's good. Uh, Pastor Rawl and Bettina, they're actually on vacation this week, so they're spending some time away, and uh, so I get the honor uh, and privilege of uh, just being able to share with you through God's Word. So uh, we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4. We're going to be looking tonight at verses uh, 13 to 18. Um, you know, it's not often that I get uh, these opportunities to, to speak and to even just be able to share God's Word from up here on the pulpit um, you know, but it's a blessing, and um, you know, I, I've been praying about just what what to share. Uh, you know, asking for just that that sign right now. I don't, I don't look for signs, but uh, in the men's study this year, we've been going through the book of First uh, Thessalonians, and so it, it's been a blessing. And God was certainly doing a work there uh, in those believers. Um, we talked. We've been talking a lot about it during our, our group discussion time. Um, and, and that in itself is, is just, uh, it's, it's a blessing to be able to have that time with, with the men. I know uh, some, of your, some of you ladies out there as well are involved in the Women's Bible Fellowship. And so I just want to encourage you to keep, keep uh, doing what you're doing if you're uh, participating in that, in that way. If you're involved in the, in the, in the diff different fellowships that we offer here, uh, continue. Uh, that's how we grow. That's how we uh, encourage one another and, and build each other up in our walk with the Lord. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, just, there's always opportunities, right? I come up here on Sundays every couple of weeks, and, you know, I get to share the announcements. And, um, you know, the, those announcements are just really opportunities the way I see it. They're opportunities to get you uh, on your feet, uh, to get you uh, serving the Lord and just... Uh, really stepping out in faith, having an opportunity to utilize the gifts that, that he's giving you. So I want to just uh, encourage you to continue on with that. We know that the day is soon approaching, right? Jesus is coming back. Uh, that's the uh, perspective that, that we should have. We should live with uh, eternity on our minds and on our, on our hearts. Uh, certainly there are distractions that come about day in and day out that will take um, our eyes off of Jesus Christ. And that's a little bit what I want to talk about tonight. So uh, if we uh, would just read here, uh, starting at the 13th verse of 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, the Apostle writes, the Apostle Paul writes, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. 
For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of a command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, Paul writes, encourage one another with these words. Let's pray together. Father, uh, there are no more comforting words from what we just read here um, in this, uh, just in this passage, Father. Uh, may we be focused, Lord, um, on your word, Father. May you give us just a, a heavenly perspective, Lord, as we walk through this life, Lord, as we live our lives day to day here um, on this earth. Father, we, we long to ultimately be with you, Lord. You are our hope. And Father, may we just walk with confidence, Lord, knowing that your promises are true for our life. And so, Father, I just pray that your spirit would just fill this place, Lord, and that your word would uh, minister to our hearts. Father, meet us where we're at, I pray, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. So I mentioned just a few minutes ago the word perspective, right? And uh, this past Sunday, Pastor Raul actually talked a little bit about about perspective. And I looked up a definition for perspective. It says, the word perspective is the capacity to view things in their true relations or relative importance. Um, what it means, it's how you see things, right? It's how we see things or, or our point of view. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, we're to see everything in light of eternity. Um, and that's how we're, we're to see, that's how we're to view our present circumstances, always factoring in, always remembering, always thinking about eternity that awaits us. Um, as I mentioned, Pastor Rawl talked about perspective, and he spoke to the importance of staying on mission and not allowing our, our circumstances to dictate our actions. He mentioned the importance of, of being taught many things. Uh, those many things, what are we being taught? Well, we're to be taught specifically the Word of God. It's important for us to be uh, taught the Word of God. It's important for us to be uh, grounded in the Word of Truth, to be grounded in our walk with the Lord. Uh, we can't rely on our emotions. If we rely on our emotions, we'll be let down. We have to go to the truth of, word, uh, the, truth of the Word of God in everything uh, that we deal with in our lives. It's so important. Because what happens when we're not grounded in the truth? Well, when we're not grounded in, grounded in the truth, we're, we're no longer seeking God in our lives. And that's when we tend to lose perspective, um, right? I mean, I mean, you don't have to remind me how easy it is just going from the day-to-day -day grind, right, in our, in our Monday, our Tuesday, our Wednesday, as we go through the week, how easy it is to lose sight, how easy it is to lose focus uh, on the Word of God, on Jesus Christ, on the work that he's doing uh, in our hearts. Uh, we look at the external. We see external factors. We look at our own circumstances. We, think, we see things that are going on in the world around us, 
And that's what troubles our hearts. And perhaps maybe some of you here tonight are troubled by what the future holds for you. Maybe you have an overwhelming thought um, of moving forward. Maybe you're praying that, uh, you know, about what you're anticipating uh, happening this year won't actually happen. You're overwhelmed by the thought of moving forward into 2023 and beyond, and perhaps you see the world around us and fear penetrates your heart and you become anxious and you become worried about what tomorrow will hold. Uh, perhaps you here tonight have children and you fear for their future. You're worried about their future. You worry about what the world is going to be like for when they reach adulthood. Um, maybe it's, it's something in the short term. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a current living situation or, or career aspiration. Or maybe it's a, a past pursuit that has uh, fallen apart, just that, that dream that you once had, but it no longer is, uh, is moving forward. Whatever that situation is, whatever that set of circumstances is, that could ultimately drive your thoughts and your, your mind off of Jesus Christ, off of the truth of God's word. And the fact of the matter is, is that these things are very common. Um, it's things that's, that just troubles us on, on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, perhaps uh, for some of us here, you, there's a sin issue. Maybe there's an issue of compromise in your life. You've fallen into some sort of, of compromise and you feel stuck, something you feel that you just can't overcome and you're worried that there's no hope for you. Well, you see, these are just some of the things that we tend to worry about. We entertain these thoughts and these ideas in our minds, and we lose perspective on what really needs to be focused on. And for that matter, who needs to be the focus of our attention? Well, that's Jesus Christ. Um, you see, our outlook, it, it depends on our perspective, how we see things. How do we see things? Well, hopefully tonight uh, we can... We can reel things in. We can reel in our hearts and minds and get our perspective and our minds and our hearts fixed on the eternity that awaits us. I mean, do you have an understanding? Do we truly have an understanding uh, that Jesus Christ is coming back again? And do we have an eager expectation? Do we live our day with anticipation that this, uh, that this promise is going to one day be revealed? Because as we look at Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, uh, these were newer believers, but yet they were, they were steadfast in the Lord, and they were looking. But there were also those in the church who were worried. They were concerned. They were worried because some of those that they loved, some of those that were close to them had already died. And so Paul comforts them. And he steers their hearts and minds back towards the promises of God. And that's what we need, right? I mean, daily, we need our hearts and our minds steered back toward the promises of God. So the question then for us listening tonight, where are our hearts and minds? What are we focusing on? Where or what is our perspective of life being driven by. See, when we're grounded in the word of God and when we're continually seeking God, then we can walk with confidence. And here in tonight's passage, 
we find words that are comforting. Words concerning eternity. Words concerning the promise. You know, one, one thing that, we're talk, that is often mentioned in the Bible or talked about is eternity. And if there's one thing that will give you a clear and eternal perspective, it's the understanding that Jesus Christ is coming back again. We're told by Paul in chapter 1 earlier on, right about the 10th verse, that this church, that these early believers, they were, they were looking for the return of Jesus Christ. Paul was actually commending them. He was talking about their faith and about their example, and he was giving thanks for them in his prayers and remembering and noting their steadfastness in the hope of Jesus Christ. And he talked about how even that, even though they were afflicted, you know, there was, there was, uh, there was opposition coming out then. There was, they were being persecuted. They were even being tried to, uh, there was false teachers coming in, trying to lead them astray from the truth, from the gospel that Paul had preached. And even though they were afflicted, they lived their lives with joy. There was joy in their hearts. There was joy in Christ. And that was an example uh, to all believers everywhere. And it continues to be an example uh, to us today. These believers were excited and they were anticipating the return of Jesus. And so Paul here in this chapter, he brings clarity to them. Paul was letting them know that those who died wouldn't get left behind when Jesus came back. You see, death is not the end of hope for believers. He confronts uh, these believers with their fears. And he said, as we read in verse 13, he wrote that we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. You see, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers. We do not want you to be uninformed, sisters. We want you to be taught these things, the many things that we find in Scripture. We want to share God's word with you so that it would penetrate your heart and that it would take root and that there would be growth in your life, that you would grab a hold of his promises for you. Here in in this verse... Paul mentions those who were asleep. And basically, uh, sleep, it's a loose term that's used in the Bible. It's a softer term um, for death. And when a person dies, well, when a believer dies, or for that matter, just when anybody dies, you stop breathing, right? Um, When your heart flatlines, you're done. You're over. Life on this earth is, is, is finished. But what did Paul say that God will do to those who sleep? In verse 14, where he says, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. You see, Paul here is talking from a biblical perspective. It's like, it's like you go to sleep and you wake up. You wake up, where are you? You're, well, you're in the presence of the Lord. And one day, we're either going to close our eyes or someone's going to close your eyes for you. And you're going you're to go to sleep, but you're going to wake up and you're going to wake up immediately in the presence of the Lord. You see, life on this earth, it one day will come to an end. And 
it's not nothing to be down about, right? I mean, this is something that, this is our eternal hope that one day we're going to be with Jesus Christ. We're going to see him face to face. We're going to get to reign and live with him in eternity forever and ever and ever outside of time for infinity. There is no, there is no end. It's just going to go on forever and ever. And you see in this life that we live, we know that there's an end, right? All you have to do is look in the mirror. You see your, your body, just how it, it's aging, um, and it's something that you can't reverse. You can try to reverse the effects of aging, but you know what? The older you get, the harder it is to do that. But as a Christian, you see, we do not have to fear death because I know that when this life ends, I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord for all eternity. And that's the assurance that we have as Christians. So we do not have to fear death. We do not have to fear dying because we know that we're going to, Go to see the Lord face to face that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, as 2 Corinthians 5.8 says. You know, you might say, listen, I've got, I've got loved ones who are believers in Jesus and, and, and they died and, and what happens to them? Well, this is the very question that, that these believers were, were asking Paul. They were worried, you know, they were worried that they had missed out. Uh, and, you know, but no, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You see, our citizenship is presently in heaven. So when we go to die, we go to be with Jesus Christ. When we're united with Christ, pain and suffering will be no more. Oh, hallelujah, right? That's, that's, a, that's a great thing. Our bodies, which are now aging and deteriorating, they're going to become imperishable. We're going to be perfect. We're going to be glorified like Christ. Death will have lost its sting. Our bodies will be gloried just as Jesus' body is gloried. Joy. Do you guys wake up every morning just with a joy in your heart? Sure we do, right? <laughs> well, guess what? Joy will last eternally, forever. And we're going to live in the place that Jesus has gone to prepare for us. All the stresses and the strains, all the imperfections of this earthly life will be gone and we will never again suffer. Eternal joy and pleasure will delight our hearts in the presence of God. And what encouraging promises these are. And so tonight, as we go on to look at this passage, I, I don't want us to lose focus. Let's focus. This tonight is, I want to bring a message of comfort. I want to bring a message of, of hope. Because that's what Paul is speaking to these believers, okay? Um, I, I know for some of us, for some that are listening, uh, you know, just in the church in general, uh, what, what we're reading about tonight, it certainly could be a controversial issue, the rapture. But really, it's just a biblical doctrine. And that it's the rapture of the church, the big part of the controversy it's, that surrounds the rapture of the church uh, really comes down to the, the timing, the timing of the rapture, or for that matter, if the rapture even exists. And, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, I'm not going to go too much into depth on that because really I want to focus on perspective. I want to focus on the, just how our hearts and our minds, what we're focused on right now as we face whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, um, in your life today, but we don't want to be ignorant what the Bible has to say about it, lest we sorrow like those who have no hope. 
We don't have to sorrow like those who have no hope because our hope is in Christ. So first of all, what is the rapture of the church? You know, what do we mean when we speak of that term? What does it mean when the Christian uh, says that the Lord is coming for his church? What does it mean when people say, you know, hey, we'll, we'll see you here, there, or, or in the air? What, is that, what, what does that mean? What is that all about? I mean, you guys have heard that, right? <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, does that refer to the rapture of the church? Well, secondly, when does the rapture take place? I mean, it's interesting when you look at, uh, when you look historically at all the wars that have gone on just for as long as we've been able to keep history, keep records of it. Uh, if you look back at World War II, for example, and you consider the stats, uh, many have qualified that war as the greatest war in, the history, in history, uh, based on the sheer number of things and the number of human resources that were used in all 61 countries. Over 1.7 billion people, over three quarters of the world's population took part in that war and some 60 million people lost their lives. A whole lot of people. It was very devastating and it's a radical statistic, a radical stat. <laughs> um, but when you study the New Testament, the book of Revelation, if you look at the tribulation period and you base the world's present population and the numbers that are given to us in the book of Revelation, somewhere above 5 billion people will die during that period of time. That's a lot of millions, a whole lot of people. The tribulation period is going to be a period of, it's going to be a time of radical death, radical destruction, as never seen before. In fact, Jesus himself said in Matthew 24, verses 21 to 22, he says, For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. And if in those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, these days will be cut short. When you look at the book of Revelation and you see the tribulation period, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, it would strike your heart with absolute fear and trepidation, knowing what's about to take place. But let's talk a little bit about the rapture. It's a wonderful truth, especially designed to encourage, to encourage believers, to encourage Christians. Simply defined, the rapture is an event in, the his, in history where every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is miraculously and instantly taken to heaven without experiencing death. The rapture is the means whereby the Lord will deliver his church, his pride, his people from the wrath of judgment. And let's understand that first. He's going to deliver us from the wrath of judgment. It doesn't mean that he's going to deliver us from tribulation because Jesus said in this world you will have tribulation. In fact, the church is not, is not uh, you know, there's no exception to the church uh, as far as suffering or as far as tribulation or as far as persecution is concerned. Uh, we here in the great United States of America, we've been blessed. We get to come into this church freely. We get to walk around with our Bibles freely. We get to go out and share our faith and talk about our faith, even though 
a lot, I mean, it's becoming the norm now, obviously, in our inst public institutions and schools and the workplace that uh, they, they're, they're not wanting that, right? They're not wanting the truth of God. But the rapture of the church and the second coming are two separate, two separate events. Okay, the Bible does make a distinction. Um, and the rapture of the church is not the second coming of the Lord, and the second coming of the Lord is not the rapture of the church. There are two unique instances, two unique experiences that will take place. We know that Jesus Christ in his second coming, he will come back to this earth with his people. He'll come back. He'll come back in the clouds, and it says that every eye will see him. Every eye will see him. However, in the rapture of the church, we're caught up to be with the Lord, and not every eye will see him be caught up. We will not, it, will be an, it will be instantaneous that the church is taken into the heavenlies and taken into the glory of the Lord. And some would ridicule that concept or the idea of the rapture because, you know, they say, well, the rapture is not even in the Bible, the word rapture, right? So if you look it up or if you have an index on the back of your Bible, look up the word rapture. Is it there? No. But yeah, even though the word itself is not found in Scripture, even though it's not found in certain concordances, um, let me say this. It all depends upon which translation, what version you're reading of the Scriptures. Because, you see, the New, Tens the New Testament, it was translated from the Greek language into the English. And here in our text tonight, 1 Thessalonians 4.17, notice the, the words caught up caught up we who are alive shall be caught up you might want to circle that word caught up we're going to be caught up together with the lord in the clouds the word caught up in the greek it's the greek word harpazo which means it means to be to be snatched away to be snatched away violently uh, and when the, when the Bible was, was translated into the Latin, um, it's one of the oldest translations of the scriptures that we have today, translated back in 382 AD. The word harpazo, it, it comes from the Latin word raptus, which means to seize by force. You see, the rapture is the event that will take place when Jesus comes back to the earth for his saints. It's a separate and distinct event from the second coming, which is when Jesus comes back to earth with the saints. And so although the word rapture is not found in our Bible, the concept is certainly taught. And so, I mean, think about it. The word Trinity isn't found in the Bible, right? I mean, but the doctrine of the Trinity is an essential doctrine of the Christian faith, which the Bible clearly speaks of. And so my goal tonight is not to prove the, valid, the validity of the rapture or even get into the when of the rapture, but I, you know, I, I do want you to get involved. Uh, you know, we, we need to search the scriptures. We, we need to get, we, we, you know, in church, oftentimes we have the, uh, the Bible verses behind me, and oftentimes I'm sitting there, and I'm like, <laughs> just staring at the, at, the, at the words on the screen. But I, I like to have my pen and my, my highlighter at times and just 
go along with, with uh, the pastor, with, with Pastor Rawls. He's going through different scriptures, highlighting, underlining, making notes in the margin, knowing where to turn to in my Bible, being familiar with the books. I'm not having to go to the index or the table of contents to find where First Chronicles is, by the way. Uh, plugging that for our Wednesday night study. He says Pastor Rawls going through through First Chronicles right now. But sometimes when an Old Testament book, you know, is brought up, we're like, okay, play it, kind of play it off. Oh, I know where it's at, but you're like, where is it? <laughs> All right, well, get, get in your word, get in your Bibles. Um, but, you know, Bible study, it, it's, it's, it's something that we desperately need in our lives. But First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 15, uh, verses 50, or verse, yeah, verse 50, uh, Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says this, he says, I tell you, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Here in this passage, Paul is basically saying the same thing that he is telling these believers back in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, as he does here in 1 Corinthians 15. He says that I'm telling you a mystery, and the word mystery means something that cannot be known apart from revelation. So the rapture, it's something that was previously unknown, but in the New Testament, it has now been revealed. Think about it. We have, we, there are a few examples that you could go back into the Old Testament and see a picture of the rapture if, if you really think about it. Uh, for example, there is a man, his name was Enoch, and it says that Enoch walked with God and He was not, for God took him. Well, where did he take him? Well, I believe that God took Enoch to be with him. Someone said that one day God and Enoch were were walking, as they often did, and they walked for a little way, and they walked a little farther, and, you know, the Lord said, you know what, Enoch, we're closer to my house than yours. Why don't you just come with me and stay with? You see, Enoch, the Lord took him. It's a picture of the rapture in the Old Testament. There was another man, his name was Elijah, and as he was preparing to conclude his ministry, uh, and he was about to pick up the mantle and continue the ministry, you remember the Lord came and a fiery chariot uh, came and caught him up and took him away and carried him to glory. And we also see Elijah later on revealed to us in the New Testament as he appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration there in Israel, meeting Jesus. But nonetheless, he was caught up to be with the Lord. These are Old Testament pictures of a New Testament truth, the rapture, the rapture of the church. Now Paul tells us a mystery. You see, it's going to happen. There is a generation that will experience this, and it's going to be in a twinkling of an eye. They're, they're going to be changed. The church is going to be changed instantaneously. Not all of us are going to sleep. In other words, not all of us are, are going to die before the return of Jesus Christ. One day, you will be translated out of here and caught away to be with the Lord forever. Back to 1 Thessalonians, verse 17, Paul writes, Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up with him in the clouds to meet 
the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. What a fascinating statement that is. I mean, just to, can you wrap your head around that? That we who are alive will be caught up together with him in the clouds? It's almost impossible to wrap your mind around that. But it's true. There will be, there will be a generation. Those of us who remain, as, as we said, will be caught up to be with the Lord. There will be, there will be some. And that should bring tremendous comfort to those that are hearing this message. This is a message of comfort that Paul was giving to these believers. You know, this message of the rapture, the subject of the rapture, it's, not, it's intent is not meant to bring about fear in the life of a believer. But it's something that you should be excited about and something that we should be anticipating is the return of Jesus Christ for his church. You know, Paul did not write about the rapture in order to give some, you know, prophetic timeline. Uh, I mean, Paul said, you know, I mean, the purpose is found in verse 18. He says, therefore, we need to encourage one another with these words. And that's, that's what I'm doing tonight. As, as, you know, I'm trying to deliver just a word of encouragement because I know that sometimes life is not easy. I know that sometimes life is difficult. Sometimes we're pressed uh, from many different angles, whether it's with uh, our family, whether it's with uh, pressures from work, whether it's just, uh, just you know, things, right? There's just t- a ton of distraction coming at us from all angles. And we need to have the right perspective as we wake up day in and day out and get our eyes focused and fixed on the Lord. Um, you know, I did want to mention one thing. You know, the good part. When will the rapture occur? Are you guys taking notes? Listen up. Here's when the rapture will occur. No. <laughs> okay, no, I, I don't know. The Bible says that no man knows the day or the hour, okay? No man knows the day or the hour when it will occur. So there. That, that settles it. I mean, uh, thinking about all the different views, whether you're pre-trib or mid-trib or post-trib, no, no one knows. Many have tried to speculate. Some have predicted. But Jesus said, no man knows the day or the hour. So whenever you hear somebody saying that it's going to happen on this day or on that day, you know, you realize, no, it, it's not. Jesus said himself when he was here on earth that no one knows except the Father. And, of course, Jesus knows now, but no man knows. We don't know the time. We don't know the day nor the hour. But we're called to be watching. We're called to be ready. You know, we, there's a lot going on in this world. All you got to do is turn on the news. I, I don't turn on the news. I don't even watch TV. Well, I get the news on my phone. <laughs> but um, for the, some of the news I watch, I mean, it, it's... It's a lot at times. It's easy to become discouraged. You know, and if, if you're getting all your information from the news or even from social media or, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be down. <laughs> you know, you're going to be discouraged. You're going to be walking around with your head down with no hope. You know, the world is looking for something. The world is looking for that one answer. 
right? And, and, and we see, we see the stage being set. The stage is being set for the return of Jesus Christ. We know that the world that we live in is going to one day pass away. As I mentioned earlier, our citizenship is in heaven. See, we're just strangers. We're just, we're just passing through. We're sojourners. This, this earth is not our home. As much as we want to make it our home, you know, there's so much that we will try to do in this life to make things perfect. We try to satisfy ourselves with just things, whether they're material things, just things that make us feel happy, things that we think will make us joyful. But guys, girls, this, this earth is passing away. Don't put your treasure in this world. Our treasure is in heaven. It's where Jesus Christ is. And he's coming back. And there's nothing that we can compare eternity to for the place that he's gone to prepare for us. You know, he's been gone for a couple thousand years now. The Bible says that one day is as a thousand years. So he's only been gone a couple days, right? But I can't wait to see what he's prepared for you and for me. Yeah, we need to, you know, weigh the different views, whether the the pre-tribbers and the mid-tribbers and the post-tribbers. You know, there are many godly people in all those uh, boats uh, who understand and love Jesus and they're born again and they hold a view of the, like some hold the view that the church will go through the tribulation period and some will go only through half of it. Some will be taken out, you know, or the church will be taken out completely before the tribulation begins, you know, but... We need to have our eyes fixed on Jesus. We need to live with anticipation. We need to live with the hope that he can return at any moment. And if he doesn't, don't be let down. Because know that his promises are true. And they're going to, they're, they're going to be brought forth one day. It's in his perfect timing. I mean, just think about it. Five years ago, ten years ago, I was saved 25 years ago. When I was five years old. And, Yeah. Never mind, I'm not going to, I'm not a jokester, I can't. Um, 25 years ago, 25 years ago, wow. But uh, I remember thinking back then when I first came to the Lord, like just the excitement and the zeal that was in my heart, how I wanted to share with all my non-believing friends and warn them and get them right with the Lord. And I was pretty sure that, hey man, based on what I see here, probably within five years, the Lord is coming back. (laughs) How wrong was I? But thank God, right? Because look at the work that he's done. Maybe in that time, in that 25 years, you've gotten saved. Maybe God has gotten a hold of your life and your heart, and he's changed you. He's transformed you. He's delivered you from the things of this world, and he's purified your heart. You know, that's and see, God is long-suffering. He is patient. He is willing that none should perish, and there's there's just that one person out there. Who knows? That might be the, that person. That might be the person to where the Lord will rapture the church because it could happen at any moment. And that's what we need to live for. That's what we need to look for. We need to, to watch ourselves. We need to, to be on guard. You know, Jesus in Luke chapter 20 
21, he told, he warned his disciples. In 2134, he told them to watch yourselves, lest you be weighed down with dissipation. Another, that word dissipation means debauchery. It means indulgence. It's, it's a sinful, it's a sinful lifestyle. Uh, unless you're weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life. And that that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth. And he tells them, stay awake, stay awake at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. No man knows the hour. Everybody will be surprised when the rapture of the church occurs. The rapture of the church, it's an incredible, it's an incredible uh, doctrine. I mean, think about it in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Not, not the blink of an eye, a twinkle of an eye. Whew. I mean, it's just instantaneous. Millions of people gone. What, what's going to happen? What's the world going to do? You know, there's a lot of practical application that can come from having a knowledge of the rapture, application that we could institute into our day-to-day lives from the knowledge of these comforting words that Paul gives concerning the rapture. First of all, the, the teaching of the rapture or the truth of the rapture brings about a comfort to our hearts. It's comforting. Paul said to comfort one another with these words, and that's exactly what the believers in Thessalonica received. They received comfort from Paul. Those loved ones that preceded them, that had already gone to sleep, well, they're they're there with Jesus. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, so they don't have to worry about it. They're there, and there's going to be a glorious reunion one day, and that's encouraging because our bodies are going to be transformed. This body, this body that fails us. And it's so exciting just knowing that one day that's going to come about. And what a comfort that brings to me. What a comfort I pray that it brings to you tonight. But not only is it a comforting hope, it's also there's something that brings about a purification in our lives as we live with that expectation, having that anticipation of Christ's return. There's that purifying hope. The Bible says that whoever has this purifies himself just as he is pure. I know, you see, I know Jesus is coming and he could be here tonight. I hope he comes tonight, but he could come next year. He can come in 10 years. I could fall asleep and I could wake up and I'll be in the presence of the Lord. but he's coming and we need to be ready to go. We need to live a life that is pure and holy. We need a life, we need to live a life that is set apart, right? We are not of this world. You know, who do we represent? We represent the true God, the one God, the one true God. We represent Jesus Christ. We represent light. We represent the kingdom of heaven. 
Let it be our aim to glorify Jesus Christ in everything that we do, whether it's our work, whether it's the way we, we, we treat one another, whether it's the way we treat our spouses, our, our children, whether it, even if it's a hobby or something that you do, do it unto the Lord. Do it unto Him. Do it for Him. For the gifts that He's giving you. Yeah, He's giving you gifts. What, what gifts do you have? You know, God has distributed gifts to the church so that we can benefit and that we can grow, that we can be built up in our faith for Him, to serve Him, to bring honor and glory to Him, to show our love and obedience towards Him, but also for each other. The church, His bride, you, me, He's given us the, each other, the body. And it's for him. And so may we be faithful to, to live a life that is pure. Because having that hope, knowing, knowing that, that he is a reward, rewarder of our faith, 2 Timothy 4, 8, Paul said, Finally, there is laid up for me uh, the crown of righteousness for which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to those who have loved his appearing. You see, it's our blessed hope. Titus 2, 11 to 14, Paul writes, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Why? Well, he says right here, verse 13. Why? Because we're waiting for our blessed hope. Yeah, that's a reason for us to put off sin, right? We're waiting for our blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave for us himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. As we close tonight, my hope and my prayer again is that we're comforted, that you were encouraged and that we would continue on, that we would persevere, that we would strive forward, that we would not worry about yesterday, not forgetting the past, leaving the things that are behind, but pressing forward to the upward call of Jesus Christ. You know, hopefully there's an excitement in your heart. And if not, I pray that God would give you that excitement, that joy, that love for him, to be on fire for him. You know, come back to the right perspective. Like we said at the very beginning, our perspective is everything. Our mindset, how we go about our day, what we're thinking upon, that affects the way we live out our lives. So may we have the perspective of eternity in our hearts. May we have a longing for the return of Jesus. As I mentioned, Jesus is long-suffering. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all uh, should come to repentance. He doesn't want anybody to perish. That's a, that's a, that's a biblical fact. 
And Jesus is coming again. That's another biblical fact. Are you ready? Are you ready to meet the Lord? I mean, what if he came today? Would you be ready? Can you confidently say that, you know what, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to be with Jesus. Well, let's do it, Lord. I mean, he can come at any moment. We can be caught up. So tonight, let's get our minds and our hearts fixed on the Lord. May you be encouraged. May you be comforted. And may you look to the heavens for the soon return of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, uh, today, Lord, as we've considered these glorious truths, Lord, what a blessing it is to know, Jesus, that you are coming again, uh, coming for us, Lord. It, it could be in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, Lord. We know that your promises are true. And Lord, we stand upon those promises, Lord. May we live our lives holy. May we uh, purify our hearts, Lord. May you cleanse us, Lord. Father, I just pray for anyone here tonight, Lord, if, if there's sin, Lord, uh, if there's practicing sin, uh, Lord, if there's unconfessed sin, Lord, may we take your word, Lord. First John 1, 9, we know that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So thank you, Lord, for your provision. May we walk in your truth. And Father, I just pray that you bless every one of us here, Lord, as we just uh, hang out, fellowship, Lord, uh, for those that aren't here with us, those that are on taking vacations or, or out for whatever reasons. Father, I just pray that you bless them, minister to them. I pray, uh, Lord, we love you. We ask these things now in Jesus' name. We all said... Amen. Amen.